This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The title for your notes is, God is for you, not against you. God is for you, not against you. And, and this, ser- this sermon was birthed when I was praying about who's going to be here on Sunday night, Lord. What do you want to say to the ones here Sunday night? And he showed me faces in the church, new Christians and even mature Christians, that don't have the revelation how much Jesus really loves them. Amen. I was talking to somebody a while ago. I think I, think I just kind of been, oh, I was encouraging Heidi. And, you know, just to point out, Heidi is one of the people of the congregation, because I realized when I was studying this again this afternoon for me, Several years ago in this church on a Wednesday night, the Lord had me teach a sermon. He, he, he titled it, Jesus Loves You. He really does. So I taught that. I think taught, taught it for a few weeks. He loves you. He really does. Man, that was a great thing to teach. But then within a few months, one night he talked to me. He said to me, he said, I love you. I really do. Not just them you're teaching. And what he did, I about broke. I about started crying. I realized I'd been teaching that to people for years and years and years and years, but I didn't really have the revelation that I was more valuable to him as his son than I was as a servant. And that's what I was joking to Heidi about. What was joking? I was talking to Heidi. I said, Heidi, you're going to see tonight that Jesus loves you more as his daughter than as his servant. And I realized when I was looking at these notes tonight before the service started, that's what happened to me that night when he told me, that he loves me, not just the people I'm teaching for him. I realized that night that my heart changed from being a servant to a son. I realized that for years and years and years and years, I've been a worker for Jesus, but I've never seen myself as his son. Because I know my own personal life, my sons and my daughters, it doesn't make any difference how they act or what they do. They're my sons and daughters, and I love them. It doesn't make any difference if they help me work on the farm. If they come out to help me work on the farm. It doesn't make any difference if they come out to help me work on the farm. <laughs> I still love them. And so that's, that's one of the things the Lord is going to open your eyes to tonight. And I believe... And this is something not in my notes because I didn't even see it till I was praying a while ago. That you're going to see yourself as a daughter of God tonight. We got some wonderful workers in this church. This church has very hard workers in it for Jesus. <clears throat> some great servants for Jesus. But for you to really begin to walk in what Jesus has for you, you're going to see that you don't have to serve or work to earn His love. He loves you anyway. But then because you know He loves you anyway, that makes you want to serve that much more. Because you love Him. Amen? And you know His love for you. So I want to show you these couple of things out of these prayers I want to show. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to pray this over you as I look at it. Verse Chapter 1, verse 16, then the chapter is one of these believers' prayers. And you can look at it if you want to, because I'm going to turn this into prayers. I pray I'm going to read it, but I'm going to pray it. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. And Brother Hagin always pointed out, these are spirit-given prayers. 
because the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pray them, and they recorded the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, I learned this also off Brother Hagin years ago. If you want to know how to pray for born-again believers, you don't pray for believers like you pray for the lost. You pray for the lost to come to Jesus. You pray for the labors of the harvest to go to the lost to share the gospel with them. You pray for the lost to come under conviction by the Holy Spirit of their sin so they'll get saved. Well, after they're saved, they need to grow. And so, these prayers right here are excellent prayers to pray for yourself and for your Christian friends, especially if they're struggling in life about knowing God better, etc. So, anyway, I'm going to pray this for the ones in this service tonight, for the ones that listen to this on the Internet. Verse 16, Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mission of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now listen to this. Thank you, Father, for this taking place in the hearts of every believer here. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so you don't just need knowledge of the Bible, you need to have revelation knowledge of the Bible. In other words, that's different than head knowledge. That's heart knowledge. When it comes into your heart, and the best way I know how to say what revelation knowledge is this, you know that you know that you know that you know. You know that you know that you know that you know. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what area like that that's the real to most of us. I talk about tithing quite a bit because that's an area we can understand. And when you know that you know that you know that you know, tithing's from God. When you know that you know that you know that you know, you never again consider doing anything your money first except God. Because you know that you know that you know that you know. When tithing's just a bill to you, and something on your bill calendar, then it's not real to you. It's just a duty. It's just a God tax. It's just paying your dues. And there might come a time when you look on your calendar, you see what's coming up, and you shift your dues over, because all that is is dues. But when you have revelation knowledge that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, tithe is not even on your bill counter, because it's not a bill. Tithe is something you do, because your revelation knowledge is coming to your heart. And when that happens, for healing, for forgiveness, for the words out of your mouth, for anything else in life, revelation knowledge becomes real. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was teaching on revelation knowledge, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. He gets this revelation, Peter said, you have the revelation. Because Jesus said, I know who you are. He said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And then Jesus made this statement to Peter. He said, flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. That's called revelation knowledge. And then Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And so I know that for me in the area of tithing, the gates of hell could never prevail against me concerning finances. It makes no difference what comes my way. I know that my 10% goes straight to the throne. Windows have it open on my life. God rebukes the devourer for me. And Satan can't destroy me in my finances and my natural things of life because that's real to me in my heart. The gates of hell shall not prevail against that. And for born again salvation, when you're born again, you have the revelation that Jesus died for your sins. You have the revelation that heaven's real and eternity's real. 
And the only way you get there is through Jesus. And Jesus said, you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. You deny me before men, I defy, deny you before my Father in heaven. You realize, wow, Jesus said that and he's not a liar. That makes it easy to pray at a restaurant. Because you don't do it for show. You're doing it because it's real. You're doing it because you pray and thank the one that blessed you for what you're eating. And you want his blessing on what you're eating. So at a restaurant, whether you pray loud, soft, or what you do, you pray. Because you know that you know that you know that you know you're supposed to thank the Lord for what you eat and ask his blessing on it. In every area of life, it works that way. And so then you see right here then, he said, praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, your eyes of understanding being opened, that you may know, there's the knowledge again, revelation knowledge, what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And you know, I know that I've preached in this church for 15 years. I've taught this church for 15 years about your inward man, your outward man, the Bible teaches about. You know, uh, you're not seeing me right now. You've never seen me. I've never seen you. All I've ever seen is the earth suit you live in. And I know any one of us in here, if we were to die this next week, we still wouldn't see you because you would leave and you moved to heaven and we looked down to see the suit you used to wear. That's all we'd see. Amen. I always think of like this way, astronauts. Astronauts, to be able to live in outer space, have to wear a special suit. They get clothed in a special suit so they can be in that atmosphere out there that's not conductive to human beings. As long as they got that astronaut suit on, they can live. Suit comes off, they're out of here. We are a spirit being. We live in this suit. We have to have this suit to live. When this suit lays down, Paul said this way, to depart and be with Christ is far better. And so when we depart this suit, we go to a funeral, we see the suit. That's all we see there is the suit. But the real person came out of the suit. And they went to heaven. And so this eyes of understanding he's talking about is spiritual eyes. When Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear, he's talking about spiritual ears. And so we have ears on the spirit man. We have eyes on the spirit man. And so my spirit man, when God opens our eyes to see angels, opens our eyes to see demons, or like in our Bible study we're doing this month, the book of Acts, just in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was getting stoned to death. And if you noticed, it said, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, said, I see the heavens opened. And it said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He couldn't see that with his eyes. His spiritual eyes were opened. He saw God. He saw God's throne. He saw Jesus. And so when our spiritual eyes are open, sometimes, sometimes our eyes will be open and we'll see like a haze in the atmosphere. That's the glory of God coming into the church. That's the glory of God coming in because somebody sitting right beside you says, I didn't see nothing. Well, he doesn't open their eyes. When your eyes are open, you get to see angels sometimes. Sometimes when your eyes are open, you see Jesus. And so in other words, they're spiritual eyes. So Paul prayed right here. Now listen to this. 
He prayed, and I'm praying this over you, that your eyes of understanding being opened so you'll know. And then we'll go to chapter 3 now. I didn't pray all this prayer here, but I want to go to chapter 3 now and show you some more prayer that Paul prayed. And here's where I'm praying for you. Chapter 14 through the end of this chapter is another spirit-given prayer. At verse 14, Paul said this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want to say something to you. Maybe this, maybe, maybe you need to know this. Christianity is not a religion. It's a family. Amen. He did not say, I pray to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the head of one of the great religions of the world. He said, of the whole family in heaven and in earth. And that's talking about the Christian family, because he said, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and the Father are not the head of any of those so-called, quote, great religions. He's Jesus and the Father, not the head of Buddhism or Islam or lots of other religions. And, you know, because we're a Bible church that teaches the Bible, preaches the Bible, believes the Bible, the Word of God says the whole family in heaven and in earth. And so we are in the family of Jesus Christ. Part of my family is in heaven. I'm not just talking about my parents and loved ones. I talk about my brothers and sisters in Christ. Part of this family is in heaven now, and part of this family is on earth now. I'm getting ready to go meet some of my family next week in South America I've never met yet. Those are my brothers and sisters. I've never met him. I'm getting ready to go meet them. We've got the same Father, got the same Savior. And so he said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in your inner man. Your physical strength is more dependent on your spirit than it is on what you eat or how much you exercise. You need to eat. You need to eat healthy. You need to exercise. But the first strength you need to pray for is strengthened with might by His Spirit in your inner man. Your outward man is your earth suit. Your earth suit needs strength. But he said, your inward man. And so he said, by his spirit, in your inward man is the first strength you need on the inward man. You need to have a strong spirit. That doesn't come by what you eat in this physical world. That comes by what you feed off the word of God. He said, Master, I'll live on bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he said you need to pray for that spiritual strength. Now look at this. Here's where I'm coming to, to the lesson that I've got for tonight. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And tonight I'm not looking from the aspect of how much you love people. I'm talking about you on the inside of you, your spiritual roots. Suck it in the love of God from heaven that you know how much He loves you. He loves you. He really does. <clears throat> he said, you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, comprehend, may be able to understand with all saints was the breadth and length 
and depth and height, talking about his love, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Why is that? So you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Then when you're filled with all the fullness of God, then verse 20, then you'll be able to believe him to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, according to that power, that love that worketh in you. And that's what we're talking about tonight. That's what God told me to talk about tonight, about this love, that you're not going to be able to believe God for big things in your life if you don't believe that God really loves you. And so that's why we start off looking at these prayers right here. God says, you've got to get revelation of the depth, the length, the breadth, and the height of his love for you. And then he says, <clears throat> when you get a hold of that love in your heart, when your eyes are open to see, he really loves me. Then it says, you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. And then he said, because you're filled with the fullness of God, because you've received revelation of the love of God, then he said, not only is God able to do exceed abundantly above all you ask or think, but then you won't block him from doing exceed abundantly above all you ask or think. Amen. You know the only reason that he can't do it in most of our lives right now? We've got a blockage. Because we haven't got that revelation. He really loves me. Not because of what I do, but because of who I am. I'm a son. I really am. You're his daughter. You really are. He wants to do these great things in your life because he really loves you. And Paul prayed your eyes would be open to see he really loves you. Hey, man, close your eyes. Close your eyes for a minute. And I just want to pray over you again. I want you just to let this sink in. Father, I want to pray in agreement with what I just read out of your word for every person sitting here. If you're listening to this on the internet, that I'm praying for you too. Lord, I pray that the sweetness of Jesus would speak to every heart. And Lord, whatever crustiness they have on their spirits, whatever crustiness they have on their souls, whatever blockages there are, that they can't understand that. Well, Lord, this prayer right here in Ephesians 3 said that passes all understanding. I just pray for every heart, every eye, every ear to be open to the Spirit of God as we hear this message. And Lord, as you said, it passes all understanding that they'll have a head bypass and let this come to the heart. And then when the lies try to come to the head about why you won't do things for them, their heart will speak up and say, shut up, head. He is doing exceedingly for me all that I ask or think because he really loves me. Thank you, Lord, for revelation knowledge of love tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but man, I'll tell you what, it's all over me. So here's what I want you to look at. Now, I'm going to look at three verses, and then I'm going to get to a place that's really going to change your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. And, you know, I, I can just tell you, you're looking at a, a man, a son of God, that can preach to you from experience. This is real to me. It's been real to me for years. This is why Jesus has been able to do exceed abundantly above all. I can ask for faith in my life and in my family. 
Because I shifted years ago from being a servant to a son. And I serve God more than ever now. Not out of duty. Because I want to. Because I know He loves me. And I can't pay back and I'm not trying to. But because I know how much He loves me, even when I mess up, it doesn't hold me back. I just know I do what the Word of God says. I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I just go on saying and praise the Lord and just shout and keep on doing what He called me to do because I know He loves me. Hebrews 10, verse 35 and 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Confidence is the key word I want you to see. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience, that if you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And so he said, cast not away your confidence. You have to have confidence in God if you're going to hold on to it. You can't cast away something you don't have. Hey man, what he said is don't quit. Don't give up. And you know why most Christians give up? I want to stick with my notes, but why most Christians I know of give up? Because they do something stupid in life and they think God doesn't love them anymore. They mess up and think God's not going to answer my prayer because of what I did. Well, I want to tell you, most of the problems in your life are because of dumb, bad decisions you make. Most of your problems in life are because of words you speak or attitudes you have. And God knows it. That's why I said in Hebrews chapter 4, that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet without sin, we come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. and find grace to help in time of need. He knows that. And when we get a hold of this love of God for us, and I want to say it again, most of us major all the time on loving other people. On loving Jesus. It's all the same love, but he loves you too. And faith works by love. And you've got to know he doesn't just love you because you love other people. He loves you because you're special to him. You know, I've, I've got, my oldest daughter will be 49 years old this year. That's hard to believe, a Pastor. I think about 49. Well, I'm a little older than 49. But, you know, my, my oldest daughter was born December the 8th. And Tina, if you have to be listening, this is for you. She was born December the 8th, 1971. You know, I can remember the day that I found out there was a little baby in that womb. I can remember the day. I can remember the birth room when she was born. I was there. That's when Dad's first got got to start going in back about that time period. I can remember the day I brought her from home to the hospital and carried her in. I can remember her first birthday. After all my children, I can remember all those events. You know why? They're my children. There's a lot of children in this church I've seen after they were born, I've dedicated them up here at the altar. I don't remember very many details about a lot of those children, but so many of them. I remember my children. I remember special events. And I tell my little girls, my little girls, yeah. <laughs> those girls that are older than a lot of you in here right now. I tell my little girls every birthday the same stories over and over again. I don't think they get tired of hearing it. I tell them you're still daddy's little girl. I remember the day you were born. I remember the day we brought you home from the hospital. I want to love you. And what you, whatever goes on in your life, don't ever be afraid to come to daddy. I'm still daddy. I might be a pastor to a lot of people, 
but I'm your daddy. And you always let me know if you need help. I'm here. Daddy's here. I've won a lot of miles. I've spent a lot of money. I've done a lot of things, a lot of times that I wouldn't do for you. I love you, but my little girls are special. And so you have to know that's how Jesus feels about you multiplied a million times over than what your own dad could have for you or somebody else. Your dad in heaven, your heavenly father, Abba Father, has that love for you. You're special to him. Not only does he know, Jeremiah chapter 1 says, he knew you before you were formed in the womb. God said, I knew you before you were formed. He said, I had plans for you before you were formed. And the Lord worked on your life till the day you got born again. He finally get you into the family of God officially as a son or daughter of God when you were born again. He remembers the day that you said, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you. He remembers that day. He looks at that day and he says, you're special to me. Amen. And so I want to say this again. He said, don't cast away your confidence. And you know, I've heard people talk about, if I could only, if I could only have that feeling I have when I got born again. Well, if you're going to mature, you don't need to live by the feeling anymore. You need to start living by faith of what he says. You can forget the feeling business. That's for babies. Amen. Uh, babies have got to have their diapers changed. Babies can't do much for anybody else. All they can do is lay around and mess in their diaper and cry and let you feed them. That's what baby Christians are. you got to clean them up all the time and help them because they live on feelings. But then when the baby Christians begin to grow up and get out of the feeling stage, then they start being beneficial for somebody besides less than themselves that need help all the time. It's not to say that we don't all want help and need help, etc., but I'm saying where we are tonight, for your confidence level to increase, you got to get beyond the feeling. And we're going to look at the Word of God tonight. It's going to help you get beyond the feeling to where your confidence is in His Word. So don't cast away your confidence. You can't cast away your something you don't have. We're going to show you how to get that confidence tonight. Look at 1 John 3.21. <clears throat> 1 John 3.21. And because I prayed the Word of God... I believe there's supernatural revelation because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost on your life tonight that you're going to be set free from things that have held you back. And you're going to come out of bondage you've been in about feeling like a, like a worm or a loser or somebody that nobody cares about because you're going to find out what I found out years ago. It makes no difference what other people care about, me and God are a majority of my life. God's vote's the only one that counts. Amen. I want as many people love me as can love me, but, but I know one thing, nobody else died for me except one. Nobody else at the right hand of the Father prayed for me except one. When I get hands laid on me, or when I pray about healing or something like that, nobody backs that word up except one. And so as long as I know that one loves me, he really does, I'll always get my prayers answered. I'll always receive healing if I need it. I'll always receive financial provision if I need it. If I need answer and help for my family, I'll always get it. Because I know the one loves me and that's the one that counts. 1 John 3.21 Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we, there's that word again, key word, confidence toward God. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. 
Confidence comes from your heart, not your head. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart, not in your head. The Bible tells us Satan throws fiery darts at our head. It says we're to take the shield of faith and quits the fiery darts that come with our head. He'll throw those fiery darts at your head. You're a loser. Look what you did last week. The pastor just taught that sermon. Now that was for everybody, that whole church except you. Because you're the only rotten person in the whole church. You're the only person in this whole church that still sins. All the rest of those people are holy people. Those other people are really good people. Those other people aren't phonies. You're phony. You don't really live it. You shouldn't even go to that church anymore. Those other people are all good people. And that's when you say, Satan, shut up. Get out of my head. My heart condemns me not, so I have confidence toward God. And that's what we're talking about tonight. It's about your heart, where your faith comes. Faith comes from your heart. Peace comes from your heart. Love comes from your heart. Joy comes from your heart. Your head gets hit. But you keep a right heart from God. For God, you keep a clean heart. You keep a pure heart. As a matter of fact, your conscience, your conscience, there's there's different voices that come to you, but your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your heart. Reasoning is the voice of your soul, which your mind's a part of. Your head will reason it out. The devil will hit your head with lying spirits. And you'll be sitting here right now. And the devil, even in this holy service, the devil will come in, get on your shoulder, and whisper in your head. Well, last week, here's what you did. And you know, here's what else you did. And you know, your pastor says, according to the Bible, that's wrong to do that. But you're still doing it. And you know what you need to say? Of course, you're supposed to be a person that repents when you know you've done it wrong. And you don't, mel- you don't meditate and dwell on thoughts you shouldn't. But you're living the best you know how. Then you just close your eyes and say, Father, I want to thank you. I'm searching my heart right now with your help. And my heart's not condemning me. My heart is not telling me I'm doing wrong, Lord. I've got an open heart. I've got a clean conscience. Jesus, if there's anything that I'm doing wrong that would hinder you from moving in my life, let me know, and I'll make that adjustment. I'll make that change, Jesus. Think I need to change? If he doesn't show you anything, your heart condemns you not then. And then it says, because your heart condemns you not, you have what? Confidence. Confidence towards God. That's what we're talking about. Cast out away there for your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. Now look over at, at chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says, and this is the, there it is again, confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we know that he hear us, what's there we ask, we know that we have and there's the prayer again. Have the petitions that we desired of him. 
And so when your confidence is not hindered, it's easy to pray His Word, receive answers and help. When your confidence level's high, it's easy to pray. It's easy to know that the answer's on its way. And so this word confidence, I looked up a little definition on this. And there's lots of definitions, but I like this. Confidence is full trust. Full trust. Belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or liability of a person or thing. Believing in the powers, trustworthiness, or liability of a person or thing. And so, now listen, because that's good preaching right there, but that's not at all where I'm camping out or stopping, because everybody in this church has confidence that God can do anything He wants to do. Everybody here has confidence that Jesus heals. Everybody has confidence that Jesus wants the best for you. And so most of us, we have no problem believing God can do anything. Anybody here have any problem with that? I don't think anybody has any problem with that. You know that God heals, God saves, God delivers, God blesses, God can get better jobs for you or anything like that. Our problem is we look at ourselves in the natural, all of our sins, all of our bad decisions, past mistakes, and think we do things for everyone else, but not for me. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So it's not hard to get the confidence in God. What the problem is, is right between your ears. The brain, and whether you consciously, and when God talked to me years ago, it said, I love you too, I really do talk about me. I never consciously thought God didn't love me. That never entered my mind. But I realized then when he said that to me, why would he have to say that to me if I didn't need to hear it? Why would he have me preach this tonight when I pray in faith and say, who's going to be in this service on Sunday night? And when I say, what do you want to say to the ones that are going to be here Sunday night? Why would he give me this message if you didn't need to hear this? When I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus in faith and ask Him what He wants me to say to His people and He gives me this, I don't think it's a deceiving spirit. I don't think it's the wrong spirit. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say that again. I did not consciously ever entertain the thought of God's love for me that I realized that unconsciously all I was doing was living for him, which I was, preaching for him, which I was, doing the best I did, which I was. But as far as my own life went, I didn't really see myself as a person that needed those sermons I was preaching, that I needed to have that revelation. Man, when he opened my eyes, that brought me off a deathbed two years ago because I never doubted his love for me. And I can tell you the truth, that's one of the greatest things that brought me through that because I knew how much he loved me and the devil wasn't going to take me out because of his love for me. Amen. And so, our problem, if you look at ourselves in the natural, instead of seeing what God sees. When we begin to see what God sees, that's because our eyes are understanding are open in the spirit to see what God sees. And the only way to see what God sees is see what God says. 
is word about us. I said, I want to help you with a couple simple passages to see what God sees when he looks at you. And I'm getting ready to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to look at the NLT. And uh, believe it or not, I have a brand new NLT in a box somewhere. I don't know where it is. We moved us in the box. I got my new NLT somewhere. So anyway, I'm not going to be playing video games up here, by the way. I'm really going to be looking at my phone for the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 11 in the NLT. I'm going to read these verses. And the purpose of reading these verses is because God watches over his word to perform it. God confirms his word with signs following. And the sign following this word tonight that I want to see, that I'm praying for, is that everyone that hears these words, because the anointing of the Holy Gift, of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and the gift of God in me with the anointing on it, is going to cause your eyes to see what he says about you right here. This is for you personally, about what he thinks about you. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You're going to have faith that God really loves you as these words come alive in your heart. And so this is for you to be able to really know that God loves you. He really is on your side. He's not against you, even if you have acted like a jerk. You receive the love of that, don't you? I may have acted like a jerk two or three times last week myself. I don't even have to ask my wife, but she's sweet and speaks in love, so she wouldn't tell you. I don't think. At the marriage conference, she did wrap me out a little bit. Okay, so here's what, here's what he says about you. Romans 5, verse 1, the NLT. So now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, has everybody here been right, made right in God's sight by faith in his promises? Okay, he says, since you have, here's what he sees about you. We can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Not because of how good we are, how good we've been or how bad we've been, our peace comes because of what Jesus did. Let that sink in. Your peace comes because of what Jesus has done for you. For because of our faith, He has brought us to this place of highest privilege where we now stand. You are in a place of high privilege, high favor with God because you believed in Jesus as your Savior. As one that died for your sins, you believed his promises. You're in a place of high privilege where we now stand. And we confidently, there's confidence again, and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. How many here know that you haven't arrived? How many have confidence that you're going to grow this year? That by the time this year ends, you're going to know God better than last year. You're going to be able to believe him better for his promises. You're going to be a better witness. And hopefully, the weights and sins that have pulled you back in the past will have a less of a pull on you this year. And you know, let me tell you something about how sin works. In, in Romans chapter 8, it starts off talking about the law, the spirit of life of Christ. Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. There's a spiritual law called the law of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is like gravity. Gravity is a spiritual law. How many know that? You know, I don't want to drop my phone. i got a good case on it. But if I let loose of my phone, gravity is going to pull it down. 
The law of sin and death is always working on this earth to pull you down. You let loose of the Word of God, you're going to get pulled down because the law of the Spirit of life is lifting you up. And so we have to know that to walk free from the law of sin and death, we have to continue to be holding on to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And so he said, to become all that God has in mind for us, we got to keep doing what we're doing, holding on to those promises. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. We know they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. And what he's talking about, as things come against us in life, as we hold on to the Word of God, as we pray, as we follow after Jesus, we're going to get stronger. You know, that's how muscles are developed, is by resistance against pressure. That's what weightlifters do. That's why they lift weights. They lift those weights there. If you're lifting a feather, you're not going to build up any muscles. You get you get you get a few weights on there, start doing that. You're straightening against something. Your muscles get stronger to where now you can lift so much more with one finger than what maybe you could for your weenie arms two years ago. Well, as a Christian, we're not praying for trials. We're not looking for trials. We don't want trials. But if stuff comes our way, instead of running from God, we run to God. That we're going to get stronger because of the Word of God, not because of the trial, because of the Word of God. And so it says, in verse 4, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it to follow our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we're able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. God wants you to the place you can hold your head high no matter what's going on. You know, uh, some people duck and run when they come up against a molehill. That's a little old nothing, a little old mound of dirt six inches out of the ground, man. They, man, they think, man, it's going to cause me to stumble. And then mature Christians will know what we're going to look at here, come against a mountain, and they just stop. Mountain, be removed in the name of Jesus. And by mountain, I'm not talking about these big mountains around here. I'm talking about sickness. Marriage problems, child problems, job problems, money problems, whatever it is, when it's a mountain, it's something in your life looks this is a whole lot bigger than me. But when you get a hold of these things, you hold your head up high because, you know, Jesus loves me. He really does. And this problem is not bigger than Jesus. And Jesus loves me. And Jesus' love is greater than this mountain because he loves me personally. I can't just pray for this other person that's going to be moved for them, but no, that's okay me. It's just my cross to bear. No, your cross to bear is you. <laughs> you're your biggest problem. But you can look at that mountain. You say, no, nope, you're out of here in the name of Jesus. I pray for the sick of the church that they get healed. Well, it's hit me. That's okay. It's no different. He loves me like he loves the people I pray for. I'll get healed too. I pray for financial miracles for these, miracles for these people that they need blessed. And he blessed them. Well, he doesn't just love the ones I'm being prayed for. He loves the ones doing the praying too. And I'm speaking this for you guys. I've got this. I'm speaking it for you. I'm speaking for all you bold witnesses that tell your family, your friends and strangers how much Jesus loves them, wants to heal them and bless them and help them. He wants to do it for you more. You're sons and daughters. You're living for him now. That's anyway. Hold our heads high no matter what happens. Know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us. We know how dearly God loves us. And we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. 
In your heart, not your heads, the love of God. Now listen to this. This is the things I want you to see tonight by the eyes of your spirit, not just your natural eyes. Your natural eyes can read the words, but the Holy Spirit's the one that tonight, because we prayed, is open up your spiritual eyes. When we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Amen. Jamie knows that, don't you, Jamie? When you were utterly helpless with no hope, Christ came in, changed your life. Everybody here knows that. Mike knows that. You know, I, I, I just look at Alex. That there's not a person in here that when you were helpless and hopeless, not because you deserved it, Christ came in. Amen. That's what it says. Even if we were good, we really wouldn't expect anyone to die for us, though, of course, that might be barely possible. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't rescue you after you already lived right for him. He rescued you when you were rotten. He rescued you when you probably used his name in vain. Maybe you cussed out Christians. I don't know. I don't know what you did. But it says he died for you then. As since by his blood he did this, all this for us sinners, how much more would he do it for us now that he has declared us not guilty? That's one of the big verses I want you to see. How much more, how much more we do it for you now? If he did it for you then, and you didn't even know him, could care less about him, lived totally contrary to anything that he wanted you to live for, and he died for you, said, I love you, you ask him into your heart, you got those goosebumps, you got those chills, you couldn't wait to get to church every time the doors were open. You cried every time somebody talked to you and just told you Jesus loved you. You just start crying all over again. Well, that same love is still there. He said, how much more? How much more now? You're living for him. You're actually in the family now. How much more does he love you now? That's what I'm talking about. Jesus told me there's people being in this church tonight that they didn't really know that Jesus loves them. I'm not talking about head knowledge again. I'm talking about heart knowledge. You're in the heart to know because he said if your heart condemn you not, they have your confidence towards God. And so your head can be bombarded with lies from the devil, but that's when your faith kicks in. It's what you believe with your heart confess with your mouth. That brings the promises of God to pass. You have to open your mouth and say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I resist you in Jesus' name. Condemnation, lies, fears, get off of my head. And go to read Romans chapter 5. And just say, Satan, the Bible says right here that if Jesus loved me then and died for me, now that I live for him, how much more? How much more is that love working now? If he wasn't mad at me then... Why would he be mad at me now? I'm his son. I'm his daughter. You know, with my kids sometimes in times past over the years, 
I've been upset about some different things sometimes that they did or didn't do. You know what? That never affected my love for them. Not one bit. Never watered my love down. Never changed my love. You know why? My children are my blood. They're part of me. We're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We are God's children. You know, sometimes I like to say it like this. Do you know that people that don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, that they have to say a prayer because, you know, you might be with people, you know they're not Christians, but just sometimes, I know some of my different families, I've went and visited sometimes like that, just out of honor so they won't think that I think I'm a holier than thou. I say, would you like to pray a blessing over the meal? Well, I've noticed that the ones that aren't born again, it's not, Father, come before you today, just, God bless this, God. Thank you, God. He's God to the world, but His Father does. A born-again Christian doesn't just see Him as God. A born-again Christian sees Him as loving Father. And so it's different. And so He says, uh, how much more we do for us now that He has declared us not guilty. Now He will save us from all of God's wrath to come. As since when we were His enemies, we're brought back to God by the death of the Son, what blessings He must have for us now that we're His friends and He's lived within us. What blessings now? That's where your confidence comes from, from these words out of the Bible. God doesn't want to honor your prayers. You're praying for those lost people you love. Pray for those lukewarm Christians you love. God loves you. God wants your prayers answered. God wants you to have confidence in His love for you that you could know that He's going to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think because of His love that works in you. You've got to know that when you pray, there's no blockages there. When you pray, your eyes of understanding are open to know that love that passes sense knowledge. Now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done to die for our sins, making us friends of God. I tell you what, I sure am wonderful to have great sons and daughters, but I'm glad now that I've got friends too. My sons and my daughters, not just my sons and daughters, are actually my friends. They're mature adults now. We can enjoy doing things together, hanging out together, we joke together, we fuss together, we pile around together, we're in the ministry together. They're my sons, they're my daughters. This morning, my granddaughter Ellie, Pastor Dave and Katie Stamp, that's just it's okay to tell them just a little bit, they're homeless right now. <laughs> it's true, they're homeless. They sold their home and had to vacate the premises, but they're getting a wonderful new house. That's been remodeled, redone, et cetera, et cetera. So in just a short time, they're homeless. So this morning, I'm getting ready to come to church. I go to my bathroom. I saw a little pink toothbrush laid there on my sink. I saw a little tube of Crest toothpaste with some of it, the green stuff coming out the end, laid on my, on my counter that I always keep wiped off. And I thought, only one little girl here, the rest boys. Ellie! Did you brush your teeth at Grandpa's sake? Yeah, Grandpa, I want to use your sake because somebody's always done it, so I knew I could use yours. 
I said, well, Ellie, I said, I'll tell you what, you're very privileged. I said, the little girl of the church could use Grandpa's sake to brush her teeth. I said, Grandpa's pastor to the church, but I'm Grandpa to Ellie. And Ellie has special privileges. She, I, said, I said, Ellie, as long as you stay with me, you can brush your teeth at my sake. I'm telling you, you are a son and daughter of God. You come boldly to the throne of grace. You can pray with confidence. He loves you. He's loved you. He loved you before you lived for Him. If He loved you before you lived for Him, how much greater is that love now that you are living for Him? Don't let the devil get in your head when you're praying and start praying and then get halfway through, oh, what's the use? I can pray for everybody else. I can't pray for myself. There's only one reason you couldn't pray for yourself with confidence because you don't really believe God loves you. You do. Now, I'm going to close with Romans chapter 8. Just a few short verses. Are you ready to get your shouting clothes on? I want to say that again. Are you ready to get your shouting clothes on? Amen. Romans chapter 8, when I come to where we are. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 31 to verse 34. I'm still going to stay in the NLT. And this is the kind of stuff that the Holy Spirit's anointing opens your eyes to see. And when you see it, never, ever, ever let the devil lie to you again. Never again see yourself as a loser. Never see yourself as unworthy. Never see yourself as a worm. Never see yourself as the one that I'm the only one in the church that's not living right. I'm the only one in the church that doesn't deserve anything. I'm the only one in the church. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. The church is a place where we come to worship together, to fellowship together. But when you leave here, you and Jesus leave here together. He's got time, and how he does it, I'll never know with my head. Jesus could be everywhere with every person in the whole wide world and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved with the billions of people in the world right now. Any person, anywhere, in any country right now under whatever social or religious conditions they're under, they say, Jesus, I need you. Immediately, he's their best friend. He's their Savior. Wow. That's heavy duty. Verse 31 what could we ever say to such wonderful things as these? If God is on our side, who could ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything else? Every prayer that you have has from the Holy Spirit, from the desires of your righteous heart, in life the Word of God, he wants to give you. He wants to answer for you. He wants them all answered. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? He's not going to accuse you. No. He's the one who's forgiven us and given us right standing with himself. You are in right standing with God. That's why the King James, when it says righteous, that means you're in right standing with God. God's not against you. He's for you.
You do something dumb. That's why Jesus came. He was perfect. You're not. That's why you come to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He said, when you pray to the Father, he said, pray in my name. Don't come to him upon your goodness. Come to him upon his goodness, upon who he is. That's what he says. He's forgiven us, given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ? No. All you have to do is read the Gospels. You remember the time the woman was caught in adultery? Well, there was a man in adultery too, except those those uh, biased people or whatever the modern politically correct terms are, they covered for the man like they do today so many times. They didn't bring the man caught in adultery. If you're caught in adultery, it doesn't mean there's two people there. They didn't bring the man, brought the woman. Brought the woman, and they wanted Jesus to allow them to stone her to death. Jesus ignored him. Then finally said, hey, whichever one of you is about sin, you cast the first stone. They walked away, and then Jesus said to that woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, Jesus, there are none. And she said, I don't condemn you either. He said, go and sin no more. That tells me for our lives that Jesus is on our side. He wants us to straighten up. But while we're on the way to straighten it up, he says, I'm not going to condemn you. He said, I'm for you. And if God's for me, what difference will make who's against me? He says, who then will condemn us? Will Christ know he's the one who died for us and came back to life again for us? As I love this verse. And is sitting at the place of high honor next to God, pleading for us there in heaven. King James says he's making intercession in heaven. Since I saw those verses probably, I'd say probably about 38 years ago, I started seeing those verses. Whenever I've been in crisis and it seemed like the body of Christ was judging me, that people wasn't standing with me, so many times I looked up to heaven and with tears of my eyes I say, Jesus, I'm so grateful to know you're praying for me right now. Jesus, I'm so grateful to know you're talking to the Father for me right now. Because I know you are Jesus, I know I'm coming through this. I know I'm going to make this. And so, I just want to tell you again, no matter where you stand in life right now, don't look at yourself through your own eyes about what kind of person you think you are. Look through God's eyes. God says, you're my daughter. God says, you're my son. God says, if I loved you when you were rotten to the core... You think I don't love you much more now that you're living for me? He does. He does. I'm going to read the title to you again so I'll remember it because it's a good title. God is for you, not against you. He's on your side. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.